Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Intersection Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another week for more wonderful content. In this episode, the Nigerians United, A, and I got to talk with another Nigerian student here at Augustana University about studying abroad from a Nigerian perspective, both information and views relevant to all international students across the board. This episode differs slightly from content I've released so far on the podcast. Although it still kind of deals with studying abroad and international student status, we also kind of talked a little bit about what happens once a study abroad program is done and utilizing the phenomenal opportunity that study abroad gives students to give back to the communities that raised us. In Nigeria, and this may be the case in several other countries as well, students use study abroad as an opportunity to set the foundation to establish themselves in a foreign country and eventually leave their country. While this path does present some surface appeal, we talk about some of the larger implications of such a move, where such ideas originate from, and why taking such a step matters. This isn't necessarily to persuade listeners in a single direction, but rather to develop a more holistic understanding of immigration and what it looks like when taking into account study abroad and international students. There's so much more to unpack in this episode, so stay tuned and don't forget to leave a rating and feedback after the episode. to the Intersection Podcast. My name is Henry Sule and today I am joined by Onajite Tyre. Hi everyone. Um, really great to be here. My name is Onajite Tyre. I'm a senior now at Augie and I'm finishing my degree in computer science and business and data science. And yeah, that's, that's it about me. Is there anything else? Is that it? Are you asking me? <laughs> Well, I'm also from Lagos, Nigeria. Yes, the best country in the world. Period. (laughs) All right. For starters, what motivated you to study in the U.S. as opposed to doing it back home? Like Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you know. (laughs) What, What was the thought process? So I will say this. I was in college back home before I came here. So I was in college back home for about two years. And while I was there, actually before I went into college, I knew I wanted to come to the US, but I was really like slacking, like not really putting in the effort to like, you know, do the SATs and all of that. It just seemed so much at the time. Mm -hmm. And, but I was in college and I was like, I guess figuring it out, right? Like I was yeah. also doing computer science, but I just started to feel this sort of like need to pursue like quote unquote like a better education. Mm. Back home is like, you know, like it's not much different from like the average public school or public college mm-hmm. in the US. So it's very different in the sense that like, you know, the classes are bigger, like you have like a hundred people in the class, right? Like the sort of like relationships that you form with professors at Augie or like the sort of like classrooms or the classroom settings that you have here. It's very different from back home, right? Once there, everyone's everyone's <laughs> like, you know, jam-packed in the entire classroom. Yeah. You're not really having the same experience. So I think that what I really wanted was more of these intimate or smaller spaces. And I also knew that there were a lot of opportunities in the US and 
I was like, why not? And, and that's not to say that I didn't absolutely enjoy it. When I went to school back home, I really, really, really did enjoy my time. And when mm -hmm. I left, it was pretty sad for me. I was like, dang, should I do this? It was a lot of back and forth, but I think it was more so the pursuit of opportunity that brought me here, mm -hmm. not and, and all of these other factors. That's, I would say that's about it. And I know from my, at least I'm from Jos, Nigeria, not as big a city as Tyree is, but in my hometown, Jos, there's a, there are a couple of universities, and one of them is constantly on strike. So the faculty is always going on strikes to re demand higher pay. And some people go some people go into school and they're like, Okay, I'm gonna start now and I'll graduate in four years and they have this four year plan and it's amazing <laughs> and phenomenal for them. And then people go on strike and like I think some people have been in school for eight years now when they plan to be there for four years. So that was just something that for me personally went into the process of why I was going to study here. At least one of many factors. Yeah, that even there's a strike right now for Unilag. Like I was in UI and so it was sort of different. The strikes weren't as prevalent just because it's like, I don't know, it's just a different vibe entirely mm. from the other schools. And so we didn't necessarily have any strikes. I know we had one for a month or two months and that's when I went and started doing startup stuff. Mm. And I was really happy about it. It wasn't something that was sad. It was like, oh, it was nice. <laughs> this is exactly what I needed. And I know that even some of the friends that I went to school with then graduated much earlier than people in other schools or other cities. They were going on strike much more often than in my school. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's another big issue is like the federal government and their gross incompetence, <laughs> <laughs> to, say, to put it nicely, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I wasn't necessarily worried about the strike that way just because of the school that I was in. Yeah. It wasn't a private school, though. So... I also do know that there's private schools, sort of like Augie, like imagine yeah. Augie, but back home, mm -hmm. they never do. They never go on strike or anything yeah. like that. It's pretty, you know, they don't get government funding and it's a much more expensive institution to attend mm -hmm. and a lot more rules and stuff like that, which is <laughs> why I vowed not to go. <laughs> it's like you go for secondary school, it's worse. It's a weird, it's a weird setup for me. So that's why I didn't go there. But that's a really good point. Um, I think... Ultimately, every Nigerian and most people, most international students come here for opportunity. It's, mm -hmm. it's, there's a story that is told about America and you hear that from once you're born. Mm -hmm. There's that story, they've, they've painted the perfect picture and that follows you through like you watch Disney Channel and you're like, oh my God, I want to live that life. Like <laughs> Hannah Montana, she is killing it. Nope. You know, like you are like that that picture just follows you all the way and for nigerians that's sort of it's a good thing to go like everybody yeah. wants to leave home you want to go pursue like this better life you know you want to bring home dollars like it's it's always been something that has been preached to you and so it sort of like <laughs> when you come here and then you sort of see that oh mm -hmm. uh, Everybody has their own problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you never, no one tells you about the other side of things. Yeah. Like, nobody tells you about that. Nobody. You have to come, like, learn the hard way. And that's even being in, like, you know, an English-speaking country like America, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of Nigerians who go to, like, 
I, t- I was telling Henry this, but there are Nigerians in North Korea. Like, yeah. there are Nigerians everywhere. Like, imagine going to North Korea. What are you doing in North Korea? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you finding there? What are they going to give to you that you don't have at home? Like, that's how bad it is. And there's a lot of folks who go to countries like Germany or Ukraine. Poland. Ukraine. That was the recent one. Russia. I know I have friends in Russia and don't know the language. And yeah. have to really, I have to learn it, like... And the time when they go, it's much lonelier. It's a much even harder experience to break into. But people do it just because, like, you are told that, that that's just more opportunity. Yeah. That's where you get to make it make it big. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, everything we're saying, I think it goes back to, like, when Nigeria and all the other countries were colonized. It's like... Mm-hmm. Before they would let you, like, even let you have sit at a table with all the other colonizers, it was like, okay, you had to go to England or one of their missionary schools and get educated in their system to be deemed as not equal to them, but enough to have a conversation and have a little bit of a say in it. And that's something that's even transferred down now. Like you mentioned, Disney Channel, we're watching that. That's a form of, I would say, neo colonialism, where you're seeing that. That's what you're seeing 24 7. You're like, oh, I want to be like that. Or I want to see, I want to be like that i want to have that experience and it's just the high school you see the college experience i know a lot of international students are like oh i want to come to the u.s for the u.s experience because of what they saw on i don't know what's the most stereotypical u.s <laughs> college movie i don't know like I don't know. <laughs> something but exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have never seen it so I, I wouldn't know but yeah it's just ingraining that idea in people's minds that like the West is the best. And granted, there are a lot of benefits with what we mentioned. Like, when you do study in your own country, there are some things that you're limited to. When you study abroad, you're expanding you're expanding your horizons. As opposed to, like, if you lived somewhere where with YEC and, like, the way the system is in Nigeria, you almost have to pick two routes, either, like, an art student or a science student. And, like, that, those are the two major tracks. Whereas if you came to a liberal arts university like Augustana, you can be finance you can be pre-med you can double major you can minor and mix and match but yeah that is very true i was just thinking about how like a lot of our leaders right after we got our independence in the 60s 70s a lot of our leaders were really they were very hausa first of all our leaders like were mostly hausa but they had like a really strong british accent because they all like went to school abroad like Mm -hmm. my dad grew up in england like was born in england Mm -hmm. that was like a thing like it (laughs) it wasn't like you couldn't do it any other way if you wanted to have like any sort of influence yeah in in the sense i think a lot of that has changed like in recent times not entirely Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course because we're still here but I think we are seen in a different way in the sense that Nigeria has now become, I would say, influential in our own way. So, like, think about Afrobeats and what that's doing in the world and yeah. how people are now suddenly seeing, you know, yeah. Africa. We want to go back to Africa. Yeah, we w- Wakanda do- forever. Wakanda forever <laughs> and all of that stuff. The narrative is changing in the sense that people are recognizing what can be done. Mm-hmm. And, and that has a lot to do with the fact that the world is becoming increasingly remote. You don't have to be somewhere physically to have influence in that place. Yeah. Social media has made that possible. And so we're sort of seeing a different way that we can still bring influence without necessarily having to be connected to a Western 
thing, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing it our own way. And that's something that I'm so proud of our generation for, mm -hmm. is that we're recognizing how important it is our stuff is, our traditions. We're mm -hmm. bringing it to the forefront. And we're letting that come before us. We're, le we're letting that be something that defines us, as opposed to what has previously defined us, which is our colonial ties to yeah. England and, and sort of that. And so I think that it is changing, and my mind has been the same for a long time. <laughs> I know that Henry knows this, but I do think we need to <laughs> we need to Japa in, <laughs> in Wait, for the for the for the non Nigerians. What is Japa? <laughs> okay, so Japa is like, bro. This is hard. Okay, how do you how do you explain Japa? Japa is like when you leave the country but it's it's not only the country like you could jack from anywhere it's yeah. like you run away like basically yeah. that's what it means like i run away like jack <laughs> <laughs> like if you're running from police that means you're jack <laughs> yeah. or something like that you know what i mean so yeah that's what that means and when i say jack in reverse i mean we need to go back home <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm a big proponent of that because i i will go home too and I know that I've had a lot of arguments. Well, I wouldn't say arguments, but just conversations with folks that are from back home as well. Different countries too, not just Nigeria. Mostly Nigerians, to be fair. <laughs> but the conversation has always centered on how it seemed, it's a very privileged thing to want people to go back home because a lot of people had a really bad life back home. And like this is where you know, they found like a much better living standard even though like in a lot of ways they don't like it and they don't like their yeah. lives as long as you have money in your pocket and you have food to eat a lot of people are content with that mm -hmm. and my point of view has always been that there's just so much potential that we have and we are you know when we talk about all the like leaders that we have currently i can't help but think that those people are going to die off really soon <laughs> which is just a good thing for all of us they're going to die out they're old they're super super old like their generation is is falling apart it's going right like this is the end of the road for them and they're whole and they're grasping to those straws right now but that's the time when we need to really step in and you know make our country what we want it to be rather than creating a world where we have to come bring our kids here and you know raise kids in a land where we <laughs> don't really fit in like if this yeah. is not your country like you don't even like the cold <laughs> like, <laughs> funny, you cannot stand outside in the snow just give me a break and go to your home like you know what i mean and and i and i have been forced to recognize that that's not the case for everybody right mm -hmm. like not everybody's going to be able to make a decision like that it's a really hard decision it's a really privileged decision even to be able to go back home mm -hmm. the way that it is right now i'm sure that's much harder in other countries too yeah. in africa but i do think it's something i've always been the biggest proponent for it i will do that and i do think it's something that we we all should do i know a lot of people who are at least open to the idea of I'm going to go home and then work remotely or mm -hmm. something like that. Like, I know a lot of people who have done that, mm -hmm. and that seems to be working well, too. Like, there is... <laughs> I feel like I'm going into many different topics, <laughs> but, like, being in the tech space, that's something that's super common. Like, mm -hmm. even before coming here or anything, there's a lot of people who are working remote jobs, working from home, and being able to keep their jobs and sort of, like, still live... Still live the Lagos lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> without having to jackpot. And so, like, 
It's like the best of both worlds mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And that's becoming the norm right now. Of course, if you're a doctor, you cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of roles now, that's that's really the case. Because yeah. I know you mentioned like being a doctor, doctor certifications. Yeah, imagine you've worked in your home country for less 30 years or so. And now you decide you want to shift over and whatever the conditions may be, you have to start from scratch all over again just because the certification is totally different in another country. It's so crazy because I was just talking about, I was somewhere studying, like I was in a coffee shop with my friend and there was a guy there mm-hmm. and he was just like, we were there super late to be fair. It was like almost midnight, but mm-hmm. we were trying to finish up some work and the guy saw us and he's like, oh, where are you guys from? And I was like, oh, I'm Nigerian. Um, my friend was Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I know this Ethiopian couple who now work in a fa- factory in Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. And he starts telling us about how they were doctors mm-hmm. in Ethiopia. Yeah. <laughs> and they come here and work a factory job because their certificates doesn't like transfer. And also, there's just too many hoops for them to jump through. When you have children that you have to fend for, you don't have the privilege of sitting down and saying, I want to take this exam for one year, yeah. study this for another two years. like. Mm-hmm. And so they, they go work factory jobs. These are, you know, mm-hmm. white-collar professionals who come here and work menial jobs just because they want to live home. And it's... It's, I don't know, I just, can't help but feel like that's just so counterintuitive. We just need to do something, right? Like, mm-hmm. is the is the answer to leave or is the answer to work on it? Or is it both? I guess the, the aggression or the, the struggle with staying and working on it is, like you mentioned, there are a lot of people who are against it. If you have everyone in government and... Granted, they're, they might be old and they're on their deathbed and whatnot, but <laughs> they're still there and they can still impact policy. And they might pass it on to their children who think exactly the same way as them. How do you even go about trying to combat that when it seems like the whole system is made? Just in the, in the same way that when you come over here, I guess it's ultimately picking where you want to fight your battle because you're going to be fighting the system <laughs> on both ends. You Trust can, you me. Can, you can be successful in your own country <laughs> and struggling with the government. At least, you like, you know, it's kind of like the the devil I know Right, type versus quote. the devil I don't know because, like, again, that's another thing they don't tell you before you come to the U.S. is that you're an outsider. Yeah. You are, especially if you're from a African country, you're an outsider. You're not black American mm-hmm. and you're not white American. You yeah. are just there, yeah. <laughs> sort of. You're not, you're still going to be fighting the same systems in a different way. Like, I would argue, in a way like, that even just worse. feels more like detached. Yeah, it, it feels more like an injustice when something's done. When you're at home, it's like if an injustice is done, it's like, oh, it's an injustice. Yeah. Here, it's like when an injustice is done, it's like, like, ah, like you paid, like, <laughs> you paid for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, damn, like you're really bit, you're really pushed to the outside. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. And I feel like it's just a different thing. But, like you said, I don't know if you know, I personally know children of politicians. They're not taking over. <laughs> they are not taking over anything, trust me. They add zero value. No, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And even, let's say, let's say they decide to come back to Nigeria because a lot of them don't even live in the country. Like, yeah. When you get some sort of money, especially if you're a politician's kid, and it makes sense because like, if something, like, something happens... 
Yeah, they're Japan. gonna go for your kids. <laughs> like they know they have to give their kids away because they're always fighting these bloody wars and stupid, just stupid stuff like mm. that. So I don't think that it's necessarily that's the problem. I think it's just that it could fall into the wrong hands,、mm-hmm. right? And that's something that we should be worried about. <laughs> it's、yeah. not something that we should look away from. <laughs> it's not something that we should run from or ignore. It's something that we should pay close attention to. In a way that we've never done before, I feel like the stakes are so high. These stakes have never been higher, and and that's true for being in America. Where I remember when the whole was it that summer or so? It wasn't the summer of twenty twenty. Summer of twenty twenty, right? Black Lives Matter happened. The movement. Everybody、mm-hmm. was outside, and we were all fighting this battle. Like we were, internally too. And externally, it was you weren't here, but、mm-hmm. you weren't in the U.S. yet. Yeah, it I was, wasn't. It was crazy, right? <laughs> like, like it was the, it was one of the most you know enlightened times. Like everyone was stepping out, was fighting for this day. And shortly after, like the whole NSARS thing happened. That was around twenty October. It was twenty twenty. Yeah, 20. October was when the shooting happened, but NSARS yeah, movement had started like. Yeah, a month and a half before that, and it was sort of right after the Black Lives Matter movement. But it felt like fighting two battles,、mm-hmm. and it was exhausting. It was exhausting, and I and I had this conversation with everybody that I knew who was both in America but also <laughs> Nigerian.、Mm-hmm. You're fighting these forces, one at home, one abroad. You're like, what? <laughs> Can I have a break? Yeah, and of course it was like. There wasn't much you could do. There was COVID. There was a lot going on. I remember then just like having to make donations back home. There was a lot of organizing. Every single day there was a protest. Every single day there was something going on.、Mm-hmm. That was even before the shooting in October. And there was there was just a lot going on, and it just felt like we were being pulled at different sides. Yeah. It just made me think, and that, and that was sort of that the answer thing was sort of the first time when, obviously, we know that Femco came and organized the whole thing. And we saw firsthand women are capable of, right? Like we've been talking about this thing as a joke. Oh, like women should lead. Women should lead. Women should lead. And everybody's like, man,、well, we've never done it before. We've never done it before. We've never. And you know, we've been talking about it. it's been a joke. We, we, we've pushed it away. But that was the first time where we saw something happens when women bring communities together. Something happens. There's there's this. Because something like that has never had never happened before, and SARS had never happened before. We had the youth in Nigeria had politicians traveling, <laughs> going into their <laughs> private jets and running. They were fleeing for their lives, right? That's how like scary it was for them. They knew their nonsense would not go through anymore. Of course, that all went to shit. <laughs> 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 to shit.、Uh, slowly after, after they came and literally shot innocent people. In the street, and then denied it. But it was the first time where it was the spark in my head that was like, we were pushing. You know how when you push a door,、mm-hmm. that something is someone's holding it、mm-hmm. at the back, and you're pushing and you're pushing. There's sort of, there's sort of the. A point where you get to where it's almost there. It's almost open,、mm-hmm. and if there's a little more push, it opens. Yeah. But if you hold, if you stay away, what happens? It closes, it closes all the way back, right? Like all of that, whatever. Yeah. It's sort of like that breaking point. But guess what? That point where you almost open it is sort of like the most important point, 
even the pushing before that is not as important as that very point mm-hmm. where it's almost about to open. Nothing is more important than that, and that's where most of your energy has to go into mm-hmm. is 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 at that point, and that's sort of what what it felt like with MSARS. It was like we were almost there. We saw something that we hadn't really seen before. Mm-hmm. People were paying attention to what we were saying, right? We were all standing in solidarity. That's another thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're Igbo, Yoruba, Yorohausa. Everybody was standing in solidarity for one thing. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly young people, too. We were saying that this is our country. This is something that we want to do. And that changed a lot in my head. Changed a lot about what I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. It changed a lot about what I think that we can do. And it was that same year that um, Audrey, my, f- my beautiful friend, mm-hmm. she gave me this book by Melinda Gates. It's called Moment of Lift. I don't know if you know it. But I do not know it. <laughs> it's So Melinda Gates went around because of the Gates Foundation and she talked to a lot of women in different countries and the idea of the book is just like Moment of Lift, how women, when you give women power, they lift communities. Like women don't just lift money or lift this they lift their communities with them and that's why women should have power mm-hmm. it's because women are not individuals in that way and we've seen it time and time and time again women don't just when you give a woman that sort of especially from where we're from women are leaders of communities especially in a place like lagos mm-hmm. like i can go into the history of lagos and how all of that stuff <laughs> but but really it's she just the whole book was her just going to different countries and seeing how you know, how sort of impact multiplied when power was given to a woman or when something was given to a woman. Yeah. And so many different case studies that she did all over the world. And she, after that, she wrote this whole thing where it it came out in 2020 and how, like, we need to support, we need to start thinking about our future and our future is a world that's led by women. That's what she said. She she said, this is how it needs to be. This is what we need to do if we want to move forward as society rather than as individuals as we've been doing mm-hmm. for so long. And that's not quite working out for us. Because, <laughs> I mean, 2020 was a mess. <laughs> we, saw, <laughs> we saw all of that just, like, face front. There was no denying it. It was a whole mess. And it was negligence. And it was just the first time where we just realized that no one gave shit (laughs) like nobody like people were complaining about wearing masks to protect other people no one really cares like people don't care about one another it was it was the most like let's even leave george floyd and ensars and all those things that happened but it was the most right in your face this is how we feel about each other kind of thing yeah And, and we were forced to just come face to face with that that year i think and so all of this <laughs> is just to say how I feel about like what what we should be doing, what 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 all this is for. I'm really grateful for my education here, and I can think of very good ways to use it. <laughs> you know what I mean? The education is great, but here is <laughs> here is how I can how can I translate that yeah. into making life better for the people where I'm from. Right. So how? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've given us your your spiel on like every what it all means, and I think that it was all beautifully said. And I think you captured a lot of fantastic things in what you said about why it's important to not only remember home, but to keep home in mind in everything you're doing, and to keep home 
at the end, like I'm coming back home to work on it. So what are you going to do personally? And you can talk also about what anyone in different fields, how they can apply com- coming back home and why they should come back home. Absolutely. So me, I've been saying this thing as a jerk, but I think everyone should get into tech. <laughs> if you're not there yet, you should be on your way. <laughs> and if you're not, at least putting it in the, what's it called? Just put it in your back pocket. Like, mm-hmm. let that be a thing because that's that's definitely the future. I, I, I've never been more sure of something else, right? That's Everything is going to be centered around that soon. It's already kind of is, but mm-hmm. give 10, 20 years, it'll be more so. And so, obviously, I think that that's, that's where I come in is I've been privileged enough to work at certain companies, get a lot of, like, connections and networks. I've networked with a lot of people who have done incredible things, right, with technology. And, you know, all I, I felt the one thing that was missing is the social part of it. It's the for good part of it. It's not just sustainability and things like that. That's all well and good. That's not our problem. <laughs> That's not necessarily our problems. It's And, you know, no one's necessarily talking about the importance of using tech and all the brains and all the incredible innovations instead of just using it to optimize for some click or something. Mm -hmm. How are we using that to solve the most pressing problems that our society is facing today? And you would think that the biggest companies with trillions not even billions of dollars anymore trillions of dollars even individuals elon musk i'm talking to you (laughs) (laughs) even the individuals with trillions of dollars and and all of the talent and you know all of the just think about the magnitude of talent you know people who have completely innovated all that we see today how we're not thinking about how to use all of that how to pour all of that into serious issues, mm-hmm. real issues that everyday people face that are important for all of us moving forward. Because it doesn't matter how big I get. Let's say I'm even in, I stay in the U.S. It doesn't matter if there are still people who are in Nigeria who can barely earn a dollar a day. What's the point? You go out and you want to be the poster child of success. What's the point when your people are not, cannot do basic things, they don't have basic amenities? You're, you're still kind of a failure, <laughs> at least for me. I, yeah. I just see it that way. You're carrying yourself or are you, what, what are you carrying? You're not necessarily, you haven't necessarily done anything from, f- for where you're from. And I feel like that should be the motivation of of anybody, is if you can run to America to save yourself and save your family, which is all well and good, can you open the door for someone else? And that doesn't necessarily look like migration. Yeah. It doesn't look like, oh, I'm going to help this person get a visa so they can also run away, because that just leaves 190 million more. who are in in bad positions, right? Yeah. And for me, that should be the motivation. It doesn't matter where you are, like in, if you're in medicine, how can you innovate the way that medicine works in the com- in the country that you're in? One, do you feel like it's impossible? Because a lot of the times, a lot of things we think are impossible are just things we've not tried. Mm-hmm. 
Let me say that again. A lot of the things <laughs> we think that are impossible are just things we haven't tried. And a lot of the times, the things that we do find possible, right, that we do think, I can do that, it's because someone else did, right? Someone yeah. else took the initiative and said I was going to do it, right? And that made us think, you know what? I can actually try this. Why can you not be the person who does that and sets the tone for somebody else? And and that's what I hope to be. Like, I, <laughs> I don't see myself as, like, a single unit. I, I never have. I feel like that's how I've been raised, obviously. My grandmother was in government in Nigeria. My mom is a journalist, right? And she's dedicated her life to telling stories about women. And... I've been surrounded by these powerful women and people who have just set the tone for what it means to be a part of community. And our culture too. It's not even just some, some it's not coming from out somewhere else. It's our culture. As Nigerians, that's our culture. It's community. We're very community. We're not very individual like that. We are not. That's not a thing. That's very, very Western and very, very American. We are very community-based people. We act as a community. We we think in those terms, we think what's good for the other is good for us. And we left that because of colonialism, because of selfish people. Of course, things like that will happen. But but if there's anything that should convince you to think about, you know, what you can do for where you're from is just stop thinking about impossibilities. It's an impossibility that you made it all the way here and you did all that you have done. That's mm-hmm. an impossibility on its own, right? Yeah. Let's leave all that one because we don't even have the privilege of thinking about <laughs> Do you see what's going on back home? It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And it's it's a very privileged chance to say, oh, it doesn't matter to me. It's also very, I don't know, I just feel like you you should, there's a lot that you miss out when you come here. Yeah, I, can, I mean, sorry to cut you out, no, um, but ahead. from I can't even think like that because... My mom, my dad, my sister is still there, my friends, my family, like all those people are still there, not even from someone that I don't even know. My family is there and like that's where they raised me. And if I I got that opportunity to go, someone else at the very least should get the choice to have that, right? Exactly. Like how many people don't even have the option? How many people don't have the option? And there's people who are supposed to be responsible for these people. Our leaders, quote unquote, leaders. I don't want to call them that. I don't know who they are. But there's people who are supposed to be responsible for that and have just not taken responsibility. So who takes responsibility, right? I was raised to take responsibility in a weird way. (laughs) My mother always drove that stuff in your head. Take responsibility. There's a problem. Who's responsible for this? That's always her number one question. There's a sort of, maybe sometimes in a bad way, because I don't want to, <laughs> I want to have to deal with this. But it's like, who's responsible? Let's let's reason and talk about responsibility and what that looks like as someone who, you know, had the opportunity to come here. I feel we are... Not necessarily even just responsible, but who's who better suited suited to do that yeah. than us, right? Is it the person who is in the problem? I'm looking for my next meal, <laughs> right? I'm not, and and that was what was so 
inspiring for me with the answers thing because there were people who were looking for their next meal and decided, no, I'm gonna go f- like a fight. Yeah. I'm gonna go protest. I'm gonna this this is gone. There's people, even those kind of people said, no. You know, they, they said, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to fight for something that's bigger than me. There's people who died, there's people who lost their life. Who didn't even have any of those things that we are enjoying right now, right? Who better suited to do it? Who who better, who's better positioned to make that sort of change? And my goal is, um, and, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking. <laughs> I feel like everyone who's graduating, when you're a senior, <laughs> when you're a senior, you start thinking, you start with talking about how like you don't know what the hell you're doing like you get to that point that's when you start thinking dang four years and i still don't know what the hell i'm doing like that's really when it just hits you and so i've been doing a lot of thinking about what i want to do and there's been a lot of for me it's been a lot of change my mind has changed a lot on a lot of different things that I thought were possible or impossible, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do too. <laughs> I've, I've reconsidered those things. And sort of what I've been able to come to terms with as something I think is my overall mission or goal is to raise up women. And I think about Moment of Lift as sort of like the guiding force for me because I read it in 2020 and didn't read it again, I didn't read it again, then started thinking about what, I had grad school applications, I started thinking <laughs> about what is my mission, what do I really want to do, why do I do what I do too, right? Yeah. Like, how many of you actually sit down and think, yay, hustle culture and all of that nonsense, but like, why do you actually do what you do? What are you doing it for? Is it for praise? Is it for recognition? Mm-hmm. That's all too, all too commonly. When you see, when you find yourself chasing something, when you, you know, you ask a few questions, you might find yourself thinking, damn, this, this is literally just for praise. Like, it's just so that I can say that I've done something. Or you just find yourself thinking like, hmm, what is the end to this? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is the real end? And and I, and I sort of had to come to a point where I was thinking about that constantly. Every single decision or every single thing I did is, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because there's no way I get to like the goals or whatever I want, wherever I want to get. To. There's no way I get there without actually acquiring that, or I'll get there, and I'll hate it. <laughs> like I'll absolutely hate it. <laughs> Because you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. It's for public opinion. It's for praise. It's for this is going to make me look good. It's for there's a million different reasons, especially with social media now. A million different reasons, except this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And this is what is my goal. This is what I think I was brought to this earth for. And for me, that's that. that's... That's just raising up women to be what they will be for their communities. I think it might be like the world's biggest social experiment. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I think about it. But that's what I want to do. That's what I will do. And I know that we will get there. We'll get to a point where, maybe not even in my lifetime, but... People will stand up for what they care about. And they will stand up for other people. 
Amen. So they were all the same. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Amen. No, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just like, think about what matters to you. Why you do all that you do. Some people will say, none of that sh- <laughs> matters to me. Like, girl, I just want to be fun. I wanna, like, that's all. Like, And that's all well and good, like, too. But... But if that's not it, if, if you're like me or if you're like, you know, people who make a change in this world, it's, you're going to think there's something else. There's there's a bigger thing here. There's something else that could be done here. Yeah. And when you think that, there's a good chance that that's, that's a part of you that's pushing you to go back to your roots, where you're from, and and go back to to thinking about why did I leave this place in the first place and how can I change something so that my kid or someone else's kid would not have to leave or want to leave Mm -hmm. like what's that little thing that I can change so that life's a little bit more comfortable for whoever this person is because I went through that right yeah I I think that's just like one of the most important things you can do in your life I agree too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a lot. Um, beautifully, beautifully said. I don't. I don't think anyone could have touched on it or covered it in the way you did, and using like Nigeria's experiences and your experiences, and just telling that story. I think that was just phenomenal. So thank you, Tyree. Thank you, Henry, for what you're doing here because it's really. I'm really proud of you. I'm really. It's really important. It's really important to have these conversations. Mm. We've been talking about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe someone will listen to this now, and at the very least, it, even if it doesn't change their mind, it might get them thinking about, oh, why am I studying this degree? Maybe think about their parents back home, because one thing I think about is my parents who invested in me, and that's that's why I do what I do. So, like, I, I wake up, I get up, I'm doing this for them, because <laughs> U.S. tuition is not cheap. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> gotta get a return on investment but because i also know that they're working they have their lives and they chose to dedicate part of their lives so that i could be here and at the end of the day they should get to retire and enjoy their their wealth and just chill and so for what it's worth thank you thank you for sharing your piece thank you very much i do i hope the same and shout out to all our parents for like being so awesome and shout out to you for this as well Thank you for having me. All right, thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Bye.